You are listening to another episode of The Break with Father Roderick, and that would be me. And in case you're wondering, why does this sound a little bit different from what I'm used to? Well, there's a reason for that. I'm recording this outside <laughs> on the last hour of sunlight that we have this weekend. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. As you can tell, I am outside, and this show sounds a little bit more like The Walk than my regular studio show. And there is a specific reason for that. Um, I'm recording this at the very end of the weekend. During the week, I had plans to record this earlier. Normally, I try to record this on Friday and then post it on Saturday. But uh, there was just so much else. <laughs> I was so behind on all my other work. So I just couldn't do it. Plus, I've had a few moments where um, I just had this almost necroleptic lapse in, in, in energy. Um, it happens from time to time. I don't know exactly what causes it, but I, I suspect it's still a remainder of, uh, of COVID. And when I am tired like that, there is just nothing I can do. I have to lay down for a couple of hours and then usually it gets better. But then, of course, I've missed that afternoon during which I was supposed to do this or that. And so for the most of the weekend, I've been busy already catching up with the work that I couldn't get done during the week instead of actually celebrating the weekend like I planned on doing. And then uh, Sunday is always a busy day. I've got mass in the morning in a parish. And then uh, at five, I stream mass on YouTube for uh, a small community that gathers there. And it, the Sunday is just gone. Before You blink and it's gone. And so... I knew that I still wanted to get the break out, but at the other, on the other side, um, I was also I also wanted to just go outside a little bit. I had just been working all day long, and we've had quite a bit of rain recently, and this is the first day after lots and lots of water that we have a nice evening and the sun is setting right there. I was like, well, if I sit down in, in my studio. First of all, that's going to feel as if I'm working on Sunday, which eh, it's not really ideal, especially since I, I barely have a weekend uh, as it is. Plus, um, when I'm done recording the break and I go out for a walk then, then the sun will be gone. So I asked Google, what time does the sun set? And uh, my digital assistant told me that the sun would set, I think, two minutes past eight. And right now, let me take a look at my watch, it is uh, 7.39, which means that if I had recorded this in the studio, the sun would be gone, it would be dark, and there's no fun in walking outside in the dark. So I was like, okay, what? I am not going to sacrifice this walk uh, for, for work, but I do want to get the break out. So you know what? I'll just do what, I, what I've done for years and years. I can record when I'm walking. I've got my portable recorder and yeah, it'll sound a little bit different. I'll try to add the the jingles later on and hopefully that will still more or less resemble a regular episode of The Break, but at least I've had my walk. I've had that last bit of sunshine today and this is why I'm heading west actually. Normally I walk in the opposite direction. I go into the the woods but it's already getting dark and then in the evening when it's 
when the sun is setting, it can get dark, really dark, really quickly because there are no lanterns or anything in the village. So I'm actually heading out to the open meadows of the countryside. I'm in a very interesting village in the sense that on the one hand, on the one side, you've got all these, you know, forests and really, really nice Middle Earth-like uh, landscapes. On the other side, it's like totally prototypical Dutch landscape. It's super flat. The only thing you have is like just grassland, cows, and that's it. And it's so funny that my village is right in the middle of that. So on the one side, you've got like classic Dutch landscape. On the other side, it's like being in Middle Earth. And you've got the hills and everything and rivers. Ah, I'm very fortunate to live here. So that's why I'm walking uh, alongside the road that leads out of the village. It's a little bit dangerous because there is no pavement here. So I'm actually walking on the small red lane that is for bikes only. But on the other side, there's no pavement either. So I'll just, I'll just try to stick on the side and try not to get run over because that wouldn't make for an interesting, well, that would maybe would make for an interesting podcast, but it would be my last. So let's not do that. Wow. So I'm approaching a, a big busy road that goes from uh, the town of Wageningen to the town of Ede. And uh, on the other side of the road, that's where it gets calm. You won't hear the traffic anymore. And I can see the, the sun really low on the horizon. I think it, uh, it actually looks as if it's going to be there for another half hour and then it's gone or probably less. So maybe part of this show will be recorded in the darkness. I'm uh, pushing the button here. Like our traffic lights all have these buttons and then it says wait for green. You hear this ticking sound. There you go. When it makes the, <laughs> the, the, the rapid sound, it means it's safe to cross the road. And this, of course, is for disabled people that have poor eyesight or maybe are even blind. They can still safely cross the road like that. And then on the other side, same signal so you know where to walk. Uh, if you're blind, that is. <laughs> if you're not, then you can still see where you're going. Do you know what's going on? This is what's happening in your world. They said Catholics rule. We got Boston, South America, the good part of Ireland, and we're making serious inroads in Mozambique, baby. You've taken your first step into a larger world. Oh boy, what a what a week it has been. Um, I've been uh, working hard on, on, on a lot of projects, and I didn't get much done. At least that's how it feels. Um, and it's usually because I've, I've got this schedule that is super optimized. And my ideal schedule, it really rests on habits. And I've explained in the past in many podcasts that, that habit forming is maybe the best thing you can do for yourself. And it's much better than just make like resolutions or try to use willpower. Um, you'll save yourself a lot of trouble if you first establish habits. And so one of the things that I want is to be a bit more proficient with short videos. Um, I've, I've just seen how well that works, um, both for me, because I like that short format. It's, it, it helps me to stay really focused, well, to prepare well, but it doesn't take a lot of time to edit. And it also really works well for a large audience that may not have any interest in listening to a podcast that takes an hour 
but they may want to check out a short video that, um, that they come across when they scroll. And so I figured, how am I going to do this? I can, of course, take an entire day and film and, and record and edit like 10 videos, but that's an entire day and it's very hard to stay focused on short content for an entire day. So I, I heard from uh, one of the TikTokers that I follow uh, the suggestion of, well, I record, he was sharing his own uh, experience. He said, I always record this in the morning. I'm committed to show up for my audience every single day. So to me, it's important, but I always go, I have the same routine every morning. I go for a walk and, or a run. And then I'm thinking, what am I going to share today? And then I take a shower and I rehearse. And then I go to the, to the garage and that's where I record my video. And, and it takes me a couple of takes to get it right. But then I put it out and then it's, it's done. And I do that every morning in the beginning it was really, really hard to, uh, to do that. And it took way longer than I planned, but I'm, I kept on doing it. And you know what? The more I did it, the more it became easier and became a habit. And now I don't even think about it. Like I just wake up in the morning and I go out for a run and I have this video in my head and I, I produce it. So the effort goes away, but not at the beginning. And that's kind of where I am. Like I, th I was like, okay, I can copy that. I can start in the morning with either a run or a bike ride or a walk. I have to alternate a little bit because otherwise, you know, you can't run every single day at least. Uh, that, that I don't think that would be uh, beneficial to me. But I can use that time to reflect and, and come up with a little story. It's usually like a one-minute video anyway. And then I can take a shower. Oh, I got to talk about showers also. <laughs> uh, and I'll do that later on. Um, but <laughs> I did something very brave this morning. And I, I think I should continue it, but I don't want to. Anyway, stay tuned. So, <laughs> the, the, and then, then I could record that video and edit it. And, and then for the first few weeks, probably because this is new, a new habit that I try to form, it's more important for me to show up and to give it a try rather than always succeeding. It's this whole, you know, thing for like, what is it? Done is better than perfect. So give it a try, do whatever you can, and then over time you'll improve. The only thing that I'm a little bit hesitant to do is I know how, how much I lose time in editing. And so the risk is that I spend hours and hours for just one video and I don't get the rest of my work done. So maybe what I will do is to give myself one hour to edit and that's it. And then it has to be whatever it is at that moment, that's what I'm going to upload. And, and then over time, hopefully that will get easier. Um, I'm also experimenting with uh, um, a, an app or a service actually called Descript. Um, I may actually include a link in the show notes if you want to check it out because it's, uh, it's really an amazing tool. What it does is you upload a video and it transcribes it and it does it really, really well, much better than YouTube. And then you have this text and you've got the video on the right side and you can just edit the text. And when I'm talking... I say a lot of um, or maybe I rephrase something and there is redundant information. But you can just read through your text and you just take out whatever is superfluous. So you can make a really concise, short text 
And the thing is, it edits the video at the same time. Of course, that will in introduce jump cuts because you, you're taking out words and sometimes even pauses. But for a short, short form medium like TikTok and YouTube or Insta, it doesn't really matter that much. People are used to seeing jump cuts. This is not like a Netflix documentary. Um, so I hope that if I can get used to editing that way, it will accelerate my workflow even more. So there's also this technical aspect of how can I optimize my workflow. Let's see, I'm on a crossroads here. I can continue there or I can go to the right, which seems to be, I don't know if this is, uh, this is probably leading to a farm. It says it's an area of silence because this is where and you cannot disturb the silence. This is where they have a lot of birds, uh, rare birds, etc. So since I'm podcasting and I'm not very, very silent, I will not go there. We'll just continue straight on and, uh, and then walk back. Oh, here on the right, a lot of these fields are in use by the University of Wageningen. Uh, they do a lot of research on crops and also on, you know, how can we make things more efficient? Uh, right now, there's a lot of work being done here um, in the fight against, you know, uh, pollution and uh, the, the way in which we are trying to reform our agriculture so that it's a little bit more sustainable. There's a lot of scientific research that's being done. And they have these fields as their laboratory. And oftentimes you'll see, instead of seeing a farmer, you'll see a few scientists walking around in the field and doing measurements and everything. It's really, really cool what they're doing here. Uh, where was I? So, yeah. So, um, putting a time cap on what I do that day. And if I can't get it done, then I'll, I'll just let it go. But this past week, I've been trying to do like a video every, every day. And it was super frustrating that by the end of the week, I hadn't done a single video. Because it was, it was taking up so much time. But at least I gave it a try every morning. And that's how you form habits. Speaking of which, let's talk showers. So that's another habit. <laughs> I try to um, save energy. And, and this is maybe not exactly uh, urgent. But it will become urgent this winter. Because we're all preparing for a recession. Economically, it's going to be a lot harder than it is right now. And uh, there is an incredible, a huge increase in the cost of energy. And it's not just gas, because, you know, because of the war, Russia is not delivering any gas anymore to uh, a large part of Europe. Um, and for the Netherlands, that's okay, because we, have, we still have reserves and we already invest a lot in wind and solar energy. But still the overall global prices of energy are going up. And it's gas, it's uh, oil, um, and also electricity. The price of electricity is linked to the price of gas, even though a lot of our electricity in the Netherlands already comes from green sources. And so um, it's, it's going to take a while to change that and to, um, <laughs> to, to create a, a better... How do you say that? A, a better way of organizing our energy resources. Um, but in the meantime, we'll still have to pay the bills. And so one of the things that I'm preparing for, and, and, and I'm not the only one, a lot of people in the Netherlands are bracing themselves for the winter. If it gets cold, 
and you want to heat your house, you need to heat the water, then you'd better already uh, start to rehearse for that situation where you know that every cup of tea that you make is going to cost you a lot more than it used to. Um, and one of the ways in which I try to train myself to be as efficient as possible when it comes to energy is by taking very, very short showers in the morning. Now, probably like anyone else, I like taking a shower just because it's, it's a way to wake up. It also helps me think. I, I, I get really great ideas when I'm taking a shower. Um, but I also know it is expensive because all that water needs to be heated. And it's, uh, I've got a, like in the attic, uh, there's a heater and it's, it runs on electricity. And so uh, the recommendation that we get is take very short showers. And so I figured, hey, I've got one of those timers. Looks like a cube and you turn it around. I love these things. It's one of the best purchases I've made this year. Um, and then a timer starts running. And at first I was like, okay, let's see if I can take a shower of three minutes. And so I turn that three minute thing on. I, and then I open the, the faucet. And, and then of course it takes a while for the water to get warm because it has to come from the attic. And so I wait, I wait, and then I step, and when, it, when it's warm, I step into the, into the water. And then before you know it, those three minutes are gone. I was like, hmm, you know what? Let's, let's try to, to use even less water and I'm just trying to take a shower that only takes two minutes. And then I, I started like, hmm, can I get it under a minute? Can I shower in one minute? And that proved to be impossible. I cannot wash my hair and, and, and get clean uh, in, in just one minute. Unless, unless I also use the cold water. So instead of just waiting for the water to get warm, I step into the water when it's still stone cold. And so <laughs> I did that this morning. Like the timer started running. The water is super cold and I step into water and it's like, <gasps> it's so cold, it's so cold, it's so cold, can I? And then it finally starts to heat up a little bit. Oh my goodness, thank God. <laughs> it's warm again. And you know what? When I stepped out of the shower, only took one minute and I was so energized. That cold water was better than five cups of coffee. It woke me up and accelerated my heartbeat. And I was like, wow, it's, it's tough. It's not pleasant. But man, does it feel good afterwards. And isn't that like a lot of things in our lives? Where, where you know, the initial effort is, takes a lot of you, but then afterwards you're so happy that you did it. I have that every time when I have to go to, run, to, uh, to my training uh, for running. There are many times that I don't want to go. It's like Saturday, I'm so tired. Why can't I just sleep in and just have a quiet morning? But then I'm thinking, you know what? I know that it's hard right now, but I will feel so good afterwards. Let's just go. And then it's true. Like five minutes in and I'm like, oh, I love doing it. I love being here. I love running. I love being in the woods. I love the social interaction. Yeah. Why? Why? Where? Why was I resisting this? Okay. Let me turn to, so on the, if I turn left, I go to the university. If I turn to the right, I'm also, I'm walking further into the, into the fields here. 
some corn growing, but it's, it's also divided into rectangular patches surrounded by grass. So I'm convinced that this is also a test field where they're maybe trying out different types of corn because this is, this, this is weird. Normally when you have a cornfield, it's like all corn. But uh, well, these are, are very limited patches and of maybe different types. I don't know. But uh, I don't know, lots of people actually walking outside here, uh, going for a last evening stroll and people on bikes, of course, everywhere you go, you've got bikes, even here on the countryside. And uh, so anyway, that was what I wanted to share with you. It is time to take a closer look at the world of movies and TV shows. How do you not like movies? They're predictable. Like, the guy gets the girl and that kid sees dead people and Darth Vader is Luke's father. Not liking movies is like not liking puppies. They're fine. I just get bored and never make it to the end. You know, you need a movie education. You need a movication. I'm going to give it to you. What a great time to watch TV. <laughs> it's always a great time to watch TV, but what an amazing time it is to be alive and to be able to watch such quality shows like The Rings of Power. Oh my goodness. After all the, the, the controversy, we finally are able to check it out ourselves. And I don't know if you listen to my show uh, Story Secrets that I record for my patrons. So I do these short episode reviews and I just can't stop myself from raving over what they did with Rings of Power. I love that show. It's so incredibly good and it's so beautiful. That music, everything. I, I keep re-watching the episodes multiple times. There's no other television show that I've done that for. Not even Star Wars. And I love Star Wars. But compared to what they do with Rings of Power, Star Wars looks like a cheap, you know, like theater play. It's, it's fine. It's good. But man, this is, a, this is in a whole different league. And I, I, I dare to venture that this is actually better than what Peter Jackson did with Lord of the Rings. And I'm a huge fan. Man, it's so awesome. Anyway, that's not the only thing. We're going to have The Mandalorian. Um, I've heard from John Domic. He told me uh, the other day that, hey, have you watched the new trailer for The Mandalorian and all the other Disney stuff? I'm like, uh, no. So somehow I missed that there was this Disney Marvel conference. D23, is that it? Anyway, and so they post a lot of trailers. And then the first thing... When someone tells me that, I'm thinking, I'm not thinking like, oh, cool, I'm going to check that out. I'm thinking, no, oh, gosh, I'll have to record all these, re all these reaction videos and I don't have time and it's the weekend and I don't want to. <laughs> yes, there's something messed up about my relationship with my work. Like everything that happens, I'm constantly thinking, oh, I need to talk about that on the show or, oh, I need to record something about that instead of just enjoying it and then sharing that joy. Maybe eventually I'll learn it. After all, I'm still new to this whole podcasting thing. <laughs> so anyway, the, uh, the trailer for The Mandalorian dropped. I already saw a trailer at the Star Wars convention in Anaheim. That was months ago. Part of it leaked on the internet, not everything. So I'm eager to see if it's uh, the same or not. Um, and maybe they, they'll show, uh, there may be some other trailers out there. I haven't even looked into it because I'm like, okay, I'm just, this is, this is too much for this weekend. I'm going to think about that on Monday, but not now. <laughs> I just have enough on my plate. But um, anyway, I'm really looking forward to all the Star Wars stuff that's coming. 
And right now, I'm also enjoying a show that um, some of you have actually told me to go watch. I wasn't initially planning on doing so. And it's a show based on the comic book uh, written by uh, Neil Gaiman. And it's called The Sandman. And it kind of looked a bit brooding and dark. And I was like, I don't know if this is for me. But then I watched the first episode. And I can say, it's totally something for me. It's great, great stuff. What an amazing story. And, and it's so well done. I'm hearing from fans of the comic book series that has been out for years that that this gets really close to, to it's it's different but it's also very close to what the, what they did with the comic book and I think it's also because Neil Gaiman himself is involved he is producing or maybe he's an executive producer a writer for the show uh, but he's heavily involved this is his portrayal of the Sandman there have been attempts to bring it to the screen earlier on and he just didn't feel that it, the time was ripe now it is and they did a terrific job the visuals are amazing the acting is amazing the story is amazing um i haven't had time yet to think about the themes there's definitely material i think for uh, uh, an in-depth analysis but i also have to kind of counterbalance that with all the other stuff that i'm watching and, and currently reviewing on story secrets by the way I'm I'm thinking so I'm doing these short reviews for my patrons for all patrons then I do these in-depth reviews for uh the second tier patrons but I'm also thinking of maybe maybe doing a public podcast as well uh, now I know I already have the walk and I have the break and there's gospel for geeks but it's stuff that I'm already recording so I figured well maybe if I put this on a public feed and it and I call it story secrets, which is also what I call my short videos on, on YouTube on Instagram and um, on TikTok, then maybe that there is a there is a it's much easier for people to just start kind of getting to another medium if you see what I mean. So right now everybody is like either stuck on, on YouTube or on TikTok. And it, it has proven to be very difficult to bring people over to, for instance, to the Patreon community. And that is because there's, I think that the leap is too big. And, and so maybe if I start like a Story Secrets podcast, super simple, just like what I do right now. I, I always record these reviews right after I've seen an episode. I just go for an evening walk. So I get some movement. And at the same time, um, when I'm walking, it's much easier to formulate my thoughts than when I'm sitting behind a computer. Usually when I sit down in the studio... Immediately, there's a, there's a part of my brain that tells me, oh, now you have to prepare, you have to be really, you know, delivering your, your, your top-notch quality. And that often prevents me from recording anything at all. Because I'm like, okay, yeah, I don't have time, and, or I'm too tired for that. I always have energy to go for a walk. And when I'm walking, I like to talk. So <laughs> maybe, but let me know. Let me know if that's something you'd be interested in, if that's something you'd be listening to. Because that's, that's, of course, a big question mark for me is always you know there are tons of things that i can do with my time but is it really helping you is it is it something that you would be listening to if not why would i do that i just uh wrote down a whole review of our um how do you call that it's like our 
it's for the the so I've got this this um, group of people that help me with the work that I do. It's the how do you call that the the board the board the, the supervisory board. It just used to be just the board, but then we made some, made some changes in the organization, and now it's called the supervisory board. And so Simona, who is also also part of our uh, online community, has been a long-time listener also to the podcast. She's, she's now the head of the board. And she asked me to work with Inga to make uh, uh, like an inventory of what, what do we do? And how does, that, how does that work for us? You know, how is it? So I had to sit down for a couple of hours and work out all the stats. You know, how, how, is, how, how many people are, are following the content? What kind of content works really well? And what doesn't work? And I have to say that was a pretty sobering experience. It's, it's encouraging because you see that there are clearly a, a couple of things that we do really well and that actually helps people and people love it and they react to it. So engagement for me is a much more important factor than just numbers. What are numbers? But I love it that a couple of things that we do really um, motivate people to react to it or to pass it on, to share it. But there are also a lot of things that we do and that I do and that I spend a lot of time on. And it, it just doesn't work. Or there's just a very, very small amount of people that is checking it out. And, and then, of course, the question will become, and that's not my responsibility, that's the responsibility of the, the, the supervisory board. Is this worth our time? Or are we diluting everything by trying to do everything? That's always been my, my problem. And so I hope that with, with the board we can look at those numbers and start to uh, develop a strategy that will I- ensure that what we do really well and that works really well for our audiences, that that is what we focus on and that we get rid of a lot of the other stuff. That, so this, this idea of, well, maybe I should make it like an intermediary platform between YouTube and TikTok and then the Patreon community. But then it, it all depends on, you know, would that be worth it? And there's only one way to know. And that is ask you, as a, as, as a member of this community, if that's something you'd listen to. So that would basically be just short reviews of movies and TV shows. Stuff that, very, very, very low-key, I, I, but maybe still something that's interesting. Uh, there are tons of other podcasters that do these in-depth reviews and they're very knowledgeable what I can what I can offer is just my my initial thoughts, my enthusiasm, the things that I love. Uh, even this dog is getting all enthusiastic. <laughs> Hello there. Oh, and there are two goats here. <laughs> Speaking of goats, I just watched Lo- uh, Thor: Love and Thunder uh, yesterday. <laughs> it was posted online on Disney on Disney Plus Day and I missed it in theaters. And so I got to see it for the first time. <laughs> I can't look at goats anymore without thinking of that movie. There's this one scene where um, they're in a boat and they have these magical goats and the magical goats are pulling the boat over this rainbow road, whatever. <laughs> if you're not into Marvel, it doesn't make sense at all. But it's hilarious because these goats... Make that, that really annoying, super stressed sound. Like it's not just meh, but it's like. <laughs> and I think it actually 
is a has been a meme. It's it's something. It's a sound that I immediately recognized from. I don't know, like this. I've seen this on Twitter and on Instagram. This is this is a just one of those sounds that everybody wondered. Is that really? A, can a goat make that sound? And so they keep on using that all the time. It's so funny. That whole movie is 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 super funny. Um, it's also like really uh, a, a Taika Waititi movie. It's so out there that it's almost a bit too much. <laughs> like wow, okay. It's, it's, this is kind of pushing the boundaries of, mm, let's say, of the, of the genre. Um, but that's, you know, I like it because it's funny. It, it's not pretentious. Um, and it's still, despite the fact that it's mostly a movie that's make, that wants to make you laugh, it does tackle a couple of serious themes. And I think they did that pretty well. Um, if, you, if you allow me to do a little bit of an analysis here... Of what's going on in love, uh, uh, love, Thor and Thunder. No, <laughs> Thor, love and thunder. <laughs> it is um, so. It's a story where Thor teams up with his former girlfriend, who now is carrying the hammer. And what we discover is that, uh, and uh, what's her name again? I don't know. It's played by Natalie Portman, uh, Padme from 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 the pre- prequels. She is actually dying, and uh, so she has cancer. And the whole movie is about when, whenever she takes on the hammer, she can be the superhero, but at the same time, it drains her from the energy that she would normally use to fight the cancer. And so they're, they're, uh, Thor is super conflicted about that because he still loves her. And, and on the other side, there's this villain... And it's, he's called, I think, the God Annihilator or the God dest- Destroyer of Gods. And this is also a very interesting villain in the sense that he's totally the opposite of, of Thanos or, you know, all these other super powerful beings. This is just a, basically a very uh, scrawny guy who has lost... Well, he, let me not spoil anything. He has suffered a, a tremendous loss and he can't deal with it. And... He feels that the gods have forsaken him. They have not prevented that loss. Thereby, I think, touching upon a very interesting, super relevant question that I get a lot in my interaction with my followers, especially those that are, you know, very, very far away from religion. It's this idea of how can you believe in a god and you say that God is love when he doesn't intervene, when, when bad things happen, when people die? When, when people are getting terminally ill, how, how can you possibly uphold that belief with all the suffering that surrounds us? And so that, I think, is the core question that drives this villain. It's like, God didn't help me, so God has... I have to get rid of God, and I have to save the universe from all these gods that are basically faking it. Because when... It, when when, when it's when in important moments where we are tested by suffering, those gods are all powerless. They don't do anything to help us. So you know what? Let's get rid of all these gods and let me be the one who does that. And so that's, I think, a very interesting. That's pretty deep, right? So it's all about basically a, like a superhero version of an atheist who is like adamant. You've got these very, very convinced atheists. Um, 
and it's almost like a religion. They have, they're very, very much trying to evangelize everyone <laughs> by telling every, everybody that, you know, God is basically something that people make up and it's evil and religion is only causing wars. And so we need to get rid of God. We need to get rid of religion. This is kind of the Marvel equivalent of that. But then, and that's the interesting part of this, um, the movie actually answers this with faith. Um, I'm not going to tell you how, but if you've seen the movie, you know that the way in which Thor and his friends are, are, are confronting this evil guy, this supervillain, is not by pure strength. It's ultimately by their faith and by love. And I was like, wow, that is so deep. And that is, that is actually very inspiring. Because as someone who believes and who thinks that, yes, it's a legitimate question, and it's been asked throughout history, how can God be God if there's evil? Why does he allow that? Why doesn't he intervene? The only answer to that is an answer that is rooted in love, in self-sacrifice, and in faith. And unless you try to face that hard question and the proponents of, you know, let's get rid of God, unless you are rooted yourself in that faith and in that love, then you won't be able to, to resist the pull of atheism in a certain way. And I, I thought it was so strong, and I totally did not expect it. It was towards the end. I was like, whoa, wait a minute. I thought this was just Taika Waititi being silly, and, and that's fine because I... I like silliness and it's well executed but there's so much more to the to this story that I think is actually um, very relevant and surprisingly in a, in a kind of a metaphoric way or an analogy or parable or whatever you want to call it this is about atheism versus faith and atheism does not win <laughs> Let's put it that way. So anyway, that's what I wanted to share with you about this movie. If you haven't watched it uh, yet, then it's available now on Disney Plus if you are a subscriber. Let's move on. When did you become an expert in thermonuclear astrophysics? Last night. The packet. The extraction theory papers. Am I the only one who did the reading? Another week, another book on my list. And I haven't finished this one yet. But I want to mention it anyway, because I know a lot of you are interested in the main topic of this book. The book is called A Hobbit, A Wardrobe and a Great War. It's uh, written by Joseph LeCant. I'm currently listening to the audiobook version read by Dave Hoffman. And um, this is another awesome book. I'm, I'm, so I'm reading a biography of Tolkien, which is super helpful in understanding how he came up with certain certain themes in his books and how it, it, it for me it, it was a, an eye-opening expansion of what I knew about Tolkien and and it's uh, it's literally very helpful to understand the the his, his Middle Earth writings and even Rings of Power although that is not always literally based on Tolkien's writing but it's absolutely rooted in his thought and uh, and reading that biography helps me to to see that better than I 
than I thought. Uh, well, better than 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 I would have if I hadn't read that book. Okay, <laughs> overcomplicating things here. So let me read the intro to this book uh, of the 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 Hobbit of Wardrobe and the, and the Great War. Um, had there been no Great War, of course, this is referring to the First World War, there would have been no Hobbit, no Lord of the Rings, no Narnia, and perhaps even no conversion to Christianity by C.S. Lewis. The First World War laid waste to a continent and brought about the end of innocence and the end of faith. But unlike a generation of young writers who lost faith in the God of the Bible, however, J.R.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis found that the Great War deepened their spiritual quest. Both men served as soldiers on the Western Front, survived the trenches, and used the experience of that conflict to ignite their Christian imagination. Tolkien and Lewis produced epic stories infused with the themes of guilt and grace, sorrow and consolation giving an unbashedly Christian vision of hope in a world tortured by doubt and disillusionment. The two writers created works that changed the course of literature and shaped the faith of millions. This is the first book to explore their work in light of this ritual crisis sparked by the conflict. Uh, this, in many ways, joins my previous discussion about uh, Thor, Love and Thunder. It's, it's the, the bold choice of these two writers to, to choose hope instead of despair and to face the devastation of the war. And I'm not just talking about physical uh, uh, devastation and, and the human toll it took by all the people that were killed, but also the spiritual devastation that it caused. So many people lost their faith. You know, it's like... Can the world ever be good if this has happened? And of course, the Second World War, not long thereafter, would shatter even more of that optimism and uh, maybe naivete. But even after the Second World War, there have been storytellers in the, in the kind of in the tradition of, of C.S. Lewis and Tolkien that continue to tell those stories of hope. I don't know if you remember uh, a number of episodes ago, I was reviewing a a, uh, an, a biography of a man who had survived Auschwitz. So he, he as a Jew, was, was uh, arrested and had been uh, put in concentration camps, I think even several times. He, he managed to escape one time and another time he, he, he survived. And uh, every, well, a lot of people told him, how can you be so optimistic about human nature when you've gone through what you've gone through? And, and his answer was, I, it just has strengthened me in my quest to be my best and to be hopeful and to encourage other people and to be loving and forgiving because of what I've witnessed. I've, I've seen the darkest side of mankind, but I also feel the call to answer that with love. And I think that's the only answer that we can give. But it's hard. It, it requires a lot of courage. And that is, I think, what... Lewis and, and Tolkien have shown and why maybe their legacy is so still so important because those moments of despair and hopelessness are 
are going to be with us until the end of times. Um, there will be new wars. There is a war currently going on. Pope Francis just recently even talked about a third world war that is not something that is around the corner. No, it's already here. There is war going on on a global level and has a global impact on the people of the earth. The, the current energy crisis, um, the, 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 the problems with the distribution of grain, Ukraine being such an important uh, resource for countries in Africa, all that is in peril and, and millions of people are in danger in the months to come because of this war. So Pope Francis says it's, you know, if you look at it, this is not just a war in Ukraine. This is global. And I think he's right. But of course, we don't like to talk about that stuff because it, it makes us so depressed and you feel so powerless. Like, what can I do? You kind of feel like this is, this is beyond our, 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 our reach. The only thing that we can come up with is how can I take shorter showers? And how can I get used to cold showers to save energy and to save water? But I cannot fix the situation. I cannot bring peace by myself. And what, what I love so much about this book is that it shows that single people, individual people, can have a global impact and a long-lasting impact. And it can change the course of history. And both Lewis and Tolkien, at the time, I don't think that they realized how important their works would become. Not just as a commercial success or literary success, but because it has given people hope. It inspires people in dark times. That's, I think, why the Rings of Power series is so important. And, and hopefully it will continue to be as good as it is right now in these, these first few episodes. Because this is a story that needs to be told. A story of hope in dark times. Um, I was very struck. I'll try not, not to spoil too much. But there are these... Um, you could say the ancestors of the hobbits, called Harfoots, and they're little people. And they're not powerful, and they don't have uh, armies or whatever. It's a very nomadic uh, type of existence. And then two young Harfoots come across this strange fellow who seems to be very aggressive, or at least, you know, is... is uncontrollable, is very menacing. And despite that, these two Harfoots are taking care of him. And uh, especially Nori, uh, she's kind of like the main Harfoot. She tells everyone, but I, I have to do this. this we ha I have to take care of this man because he can't take care of himself. So she's taking a huge risk. And we are also taking a risk, <laughs> trusting Nori, that that, that is going to be rewarded how terrible would it be if it was all for naught you know that that even though everybody tells her to be careful and then she still takes care of this man and he would betray her that would send a terrible message like yeah don't take care of people that you don't know and i'm thinking you know what if i follow the logic of tolkien's train of thought is the hobbits are our examples they are small what can they do what can they bring to the table? No, no power, no po politics, 
not much in terms of art or culture, although they do have their own a very vibrant kind of like close to nature type of, of culture. But nothing compared to what the elves are doing, for instance, or what we see in Numenor. And yet what they bring to the table is this just really open, open heart. They're unable to think badly of people, not all of them, of course, but in, in, its, in the core, the Harfoots and the Hobbits later on are, are very hard to corrupt because they've got a pure heart. And I like that. I like that as an element of the story because it's something that I aspire to. In dark times, it's so easy to become cynical and so many people and maybe our, we ourselves are falling for that and we become cynical and we, we isolate ourselves. We build a wall, like an emotional wall and because we're afraid that it will hurt us. And these Harfoots and Hobbits show us that there is another answer when you're confronted with darkness. And that is to, to counter it with simplicity and with a warm heart. Well, anyway, I, I love that. <laughs> it's, it's super important. Uh, let me just press this button. Uh, as you can hear, I'm back at the main road with lots of traffic, buses and cars. Ah. A few months ago, when, when uh, fuel was so expensive, you could actually tell because people would uh, rather take the bike and there was definitely less traffic than there is today because uh, it's, it's a, a little bit... Well, it's not entirely back to normal, but it, the prices have gone down, um, which is good. But on the other hand, it also again, immediately uh, motivates people to, <laughs> to use their car again, which... Eh, Maybe not ideal. Um, if I can go on a tangent here for a minute, I'm actually thinking of getting rid of my car. Uh, about, uh, what was it? Oh, on Monday, this last Monday. Um, or was it? No, it was not on Monday. Anyway, just recently I had to go somewhere by car. I just couldn't go there by train because we had strikes and everything. And um, I realized that I hadn't used my car for for a couple of months. And there was this passion flower plant that grows in front of the rectory. And it had completely overtaken my car. And I had never noticed it because I'm, I'm never using my car. And so like underneath my car, there was this entire bed of flowers, of passion flowers. And then it's a fast, very fast growing plant. And it already entangled itself into the grill, like the aeration grill on, on the front of the car and uh, and it was starting to to even like try to it was trying to enter the the lights the front lights of the car because I found these little cracks and then you see these tiny little green arms and they're stretching out like small tiny plant fingers and they're trying to squeeze themselves into into that lamp I'm sure if I would have left that for another two months two months um the, the plant would be inside the car. So it took me a while to get rid of, well, to try to entangle <laughs> the, the car from, its, uh, from all these, uh, you know, these, these eager flowers that were just like, hey, we can live here. <laughs> like, yeah, sorry, guys. Uh, I need that car. But uh, um, it, it, I, thought, I, I thought it was almost like a, a sign 
maybe it's time for me to let go of that car. If I only use it once every three months, it's still, even though I'm not using it, I'm still paying uh, taxes on it. I still have to pay maintenance. Uh, it's a, it's a, I think I, I calculated that if I would get rid of the car altogether, I would save about, I think, 200 bucks per month. That was based, of course, on times that I would still use it regularly. So maybe a little bit less now. But what good is it to, to pay taxes and everything? Um, and maybe at the end of the year... Hey, little kitty. Hey. Hi. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. <laughs> he looks totally like Arturo. He's a bit be better behaved. Poor Arturo. In case you missed that, Arturo left us, left this planet. And is now hopefully running around in the eternal, earth, eternal cat hunting grounds that await every cat who dies. Uh, but I can't help myself every time I see a tuxedo cat, I'm thinking, oh, Arturo. No, it's not Arturo. <laughs> Most cats are not a lot nicer. This one uh, immediately walked up to me and, uh, and uh, marked my, my knee. <laughs> I don't know what... I seem to be like a cat magnet for some reason. I don't know why. Because I didn't grow up with cats at all. Uh, we always had dogs. And I thought I was a dog person. But in fact, I'm not. I'm a cat person. <laughs> at least the cats think so. Anyway. So uh, that was uh, uh, why I'm, I'm enjoying that, uh, that book. Um, I'll, there will be a link uh, to, the, to the book on Amazon. In case you're interested. <laughs> We are on the cutting edge of technology. Wow. Well, what does that mean? Let's plug it in. It's going to say, hey, I see you plugged in a new device. And it's going to load in the appropriate drivers. You'll notice that this scanner built... Whoa. Well, all your technology stuff, it just ends in disaster. But there is one more thing. All right, let's wrap things up. Looking back at Apple's keynote, um, Apple finally presented, or finally, they always do this in September, so there was nothing <laughs> too spectacular about it or unexpected. They presented us uh, their latest batch of iPhones and also the Apple Watch. And uh, it started with a long segment about the watch, which is kind of interesting, but I'm not really a target audience for that because um, I recently got myself a, a very cheap watch. It's a Xiaomi Redmi Watch 2 or Xiaomi Redmi Watch 2 Lite. <laughs> and it looks actually, from a distance, looks identical to an Apple Watch. Um, it's kind of, the, it's a little bit smaller, of course. Uh, I think it, it matches in size, it matches the, the, the 41 millimeter um, uh, Apple Watch, and that's fine with me because I, I have very sh small hands and small wrists, so it fits me perfectly. And it, it's a fraction of the price of an Apple Watch; it's just forty-nine bucks. And uh, um, I have to say, it, it's amazing. It is absolutely amazing. I love it. It's currently, while I'm walking here, it's uh, tracking me, uh, tracking my, counting my steps, tracking my calories. It's got built-in GPS, um, and, and I mean. This is 49 bucks and it's got GPS and it's got like three satellite systems so you can use it basically anywhere in the world. 
It's got, of course, it, it doesn't have the powerful software that Apple has, and the processor is pretty slow. It doesn't have always on and that sort of stuff. But when I raise my hand, it works really well. It detects it. It shows me the screen. Um, I have. To, I love the the way it tracks my runs, because one of the big differences with my previous step counter that I had is not just the GPS, but also this this this. Um, Xiaomi Band 5 had such a tiny screen and I just couldn't read it. I couldn't, I couldn't see the information. It was too small. Very lightweight, but very small. And this one is super easy to, <clears throat> to read. And it shows me my pace, my stride, heart rate, uh, workout zone, tons of information. And so I've been using this now for two running trainings and it's exactly what I hoped it would be. And the, the, the best, the killer feature of this thing, it lasts for more than a week. Like one charge, it lasts a week. That's insane. <laughs> I don't think Apple can, well, well, well it's gonna take a while before Apple can, can reach those, uh, uh, the, that, that kind of usage on, on one charge. And plus it charges really fast. So very happy with it. <laughs> It's all a bit less integrated than Apple does, but I was looking at the, the presentation of the watch. I'm thinking, yeah, that's cool. But hey, I, I totally like my watch right now. <laughs> I'm not in the market for a new one. I like the, uh, the, the big rugged one that they did. Um, it's pretty impressive. Did, did, now, did you notice? Some reviewers mentioned this, and I was like, yeah, that's true. That Apple has gone dark? Apple is always about... Let me help, let us help you to become more creative, to express yourself. And it was all about the arts. And now it's like, yeah, you may die unless you have a watch. You know, you're going to be isolated on, on, on this mountain and there will be no cellular reception and it's freezing cold and you're about to die. But if you have our watch, you can point it at a satellite. And it will only take, what is it, 15 minutes to send a short message and then we relay it and people will come and save you. And then they go on, it's like, yeah, you could actually die from a heart attack or you could have all sorts of heart irregularities that could lead to your death. But if you have our watch, then it will notify you and then you can go see your doctor and you can tell him, hey, I don't want to die. Here, my watch tells me that I'm going to die. Please read, read this information and then you may actually live. And then of course, we would love it if you could write to Tim Cook saying, Tim, your Apple Watch saved my life. It's so funny. Like, I don't remember that, well, of course they, they already had their, um, their heart rate function and everything, but the insistence on like dire situations, oh, you're gonna be in a car crash. Oh yeah. So next time you're in a car crash, it's like, what next time? I, dude, I don't wanna be in a car crash. But if you are in a car crash, or uh, maybe you're in an airplane crash, and then your watch will automatically detect that. And then it will ask you, do you want me to call 911? And then you can call 911 and you'll be saved. How is that? And then please write to Tim Cook and say, hey, you saved me from this plane crash. Like, there's like three instances where they were scaring us into buying an, uh, an Apple watch. Am I exaggerating? I was like, wow. I don't remember Apple having ever been this um, this bleak. Maybe it's just the sign of times. I don't know. 
And then they, they went to the Apple, uh, the iPhones, iPhone 14. It's, a, I would say, from the looks of it, a minor improvement over the Apple uh, phone, the iPhone, <laughs> Apple Watch iPhone. Uh, why is not iWatch an Apple phone? I don't know. Anyway, but uh, the, so it's, it's just minor. They didn't go through USB-C as I kind of expected because they want to still use the molds that they have and, and a lot of the production process. So they can just use their components for another year. And if they switch to USB-C, then of course they have to redesign the innards of the phone and well, that's, that's more expensive for Apple. So they, they, they're waiting, they're holding out. I think it's gonna be next year and then it will probably have a redesign. But they did improve something that I think is vital for my kind of work. And you know that I've been kind of holding out on, on going back to Apple because Apple is, ex is expensive. And uh, right now the prices in the US have remained the same, but here in Europe, Whoa, that the, the Apple iPhone Pro is now 200 euros more expensive than a previous model. That's insane. And it's of course because the dollar is right now on parity or maybe even a little bit stronger than the euro. We're a little bit closer to Ukraine, right? So, but um, it, so it's more expensive and, and I was like, okay, I got to squeeze out everything that this phone, my current Asus phone has in it. I want to use it. And so uh, if, you, if you're following me on YouTube uh, and on TikTok or on TikTok, you, you, you see that I fill most of the stuff with my iPhone. Uh, with <laughs> No, if only uh, with my Asus phone. But I was noti noticing this when I was uh, filming this kind of new new format of the walk where I really try to make something nice that is interesting not just to listen to but also to to watch uh, I film it with my phone and it just there's so much compression especially when I'm in the woods all the detail and it gets just this blurry artifact mess it's just it's not it's not very good uh, the wide angle lens is is kind of ancient now and it's very uh, bad with low light um, so I was I was really looking to the iPhone announcement like could this be my next phone because with I do so much on the phone right now way more than I bought when when I bought this it was just for the occasional you know if I would want to record a, a vlog and then I actually recorded some stuff that I used in television shows but don't ask how, because I had to do so much image correction on it to make it uh, acceptable. Um, so I had to use all the tricks to make it more or less, um, uh, you know, quality-wise acceptable for television. And I was just hoping that people wouldn't wouldn't look too closely. But um, but but now that I do like more than two thirds of my video work with my phone. I think I have to seriously look into the iPhone. Um, and I wasn't disappointed. I'm very glad to see that they, uh, on the Pro models, they improved uh, the main lens. It's now 48, uh, what is it, 48, 48 something, 48K? I don't even know. What do I know? Anyway, 
it's it's a, it's a much better lens. Um, they improve the wide-angle lens, and much more important for anyone who is you know in the creative business, they finally improved the front lens, and it's got autofocus now. It's more sensitive to light, um, and that's of course the, the camera that I use the most. Uh, so I was I was really impressed um, by the phone. But I was not very happy that the base model of the of the iPhone 14 Pro only has 120 128 MB. If you film in 4K, that's going to be full in 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 a few hours. It won't even last a day, and then you have to offload it because Apple, of course, doesn't have SD cards like most Android's phone have, and so. Uh, in order to work with this uh, in a more efficient way, then obviously I, had, I, had, I would have to go to the 256 um, MB memory or maybe beyond that. And of course, then you pay the Apple tax. It's so expensive. So yeah, hmm. oh boy. But I also try to stay uh, pragmatic and you also have to offset the investment in a phone to the amount of usage that you get out of it. And then I'm thinking, well, if I can use this on my travels and I can film, because it's, it's filming in 4K, I know that that would be way better than anything I could film, even with my current Canon cameras, because they only shoot in, uh, in HD. So I would have four times the resolution and much, much better uh, image correction and everything. You can even film in RAW, I think. So there's a lot of room for color correction. Yeah, I think this is uh, almost a no-brainer. Except for the fact that eh, it is expensive. Very expensive. And as you may know, we are, we are still not solvent with, uh, with Tridio. Um, I need to start wrapping up. <laughs> Notice that I've been talking for more than an hour. I'm not home yet. That's why I keep talking. But um, uh, since I've lost my television work uh, right now, um, my income is, is only a fraction, or the income that I generate. It's not my income. It's uh, for a tridio. Um, it's a fraction of, of uh, uh, the, the resources that we, the financial resources that we used to have. And I'm not the only one who's paid from this. Uh, Inge is also uh, on, our, on our list, so she works half-time, uh, a little less than half-time. And then, of course, you've got, I've, I've got to pay my rent. You've got the energy stuff. We have, well, fortunately, very, very uh, small costs because I'm, I keep working just with the stuff that I have. The, only, the biggest investment that I did this year was to get the, um, the, the MacBook Air uh, with the M1 chip, and I actually did not use Tridio funds for that. It's because I I um, did work when I was in Rome. I filmed a, a short report for for TV, and uh, I got reimbursed enough so I could buy that uh, that MacBook Air. So basically, that was kind of uh, um, how would you say that? So I worked extra so I could afford it. Um, but we're still 
very much digging into our reserves to make ends meet. So I'm thinking uh, there is really no budget right now for a new phone. But that's where I was very surprised and also uh, moved that uh, some of my patrons were talking about this and uh, on Discord and, uh, and they said, how, how can we help Father Roderick to get this iPhone? And, um, and some of them actually made a donation. <laughs> and, and that was, uh, one of them actually made a, a pretty substantial donation um, just to kind of help in the process. And now I'm thinking, you know what? Maybe, maybe I can just crowdsource this. Um, it's, it's really not in our budget. Uh, it is an expensive phone. I'm fully aware of that. But maybe if, as a community, we can, we can make this happen. And maybe I'll just invest uh, some of my own savings in this. Because I feel that it would really um, make, make a difference in the work that I do and the quality of the work that I can, uh, that I can share. And so anyway, that's, that's why I was, I was happy that, uh, that Apple um, delivered when it came to the, the, the quality increase of the, of the cameras. And also um, very cool that they are now uh, enabling you to do the cinematic mode also in 4K, because that was only cinematic mode is where they do like this fake background blur and it doesn't always work but sometimes it really does and it is uh it's 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 better than than just not having that and it's pretty cool but you could only use it in hd so it's not very useful uh in the iphone 13 but in the 14 they make made it possible to do that in 4k and you can film also in 4k in in different frame rates so for here in uh, europe we use 25 fps in the U.S., it's 30 or 60, um, and the movie standard is 24 FPS. And uh, it used to be that on a phone, uh, for instance, on my current phone, I could only shoot in 24 FPS if I use an external app. Um, and that app is so energy-hungry that it will deplete the battery in, in the span of uh, two hours. And so uh, Apple now makes it possible to just use their native apps to shoot in 24 FPS or 25 or 30 or 60. So it gives me a whole range of options, even if I produce stuff for an international market, I can, I can easily do that natively on the, on the phone. So eh, I'm, 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 very, uh, I'm very impressed with what they did. At the same time, also, oh my goodness, it's so expensive. <laughs> Hey, I need to start wrapping up. Thank you so much for the privilege of your time. I hope you don't mind that it was, was uh, recorded during a walk. <laughs> I used to record uh, an extra mile for my patrons where I would go on. So I record the walk and then I would go and walk for another 20 minutes um, and then just talk. I guess I kind of made up for that. I'm not going to continue that because it turns out that not many people were, were actually listening to that. But um, hopefully this extra walk compensates a little bit for, <laughs> for the, uh, the lack of extra miles. Thanks for listening. Have a wonderful week. And we'll talk soon. Take care. God bless.